Good morning and welcome to PWGC's Environmental Echo. I am Paul Boyce, the host and president and CEO of PW Grocer Consulting. And today we've got a great topic and great guest. We've got uh, Mayor Paul Pontieri from Patchog, and we're going to be talking about Patchog's forward progress in, in, in the recent, oh gosh, I could say decades or years here. But it's, it's going to be uh, quite interesting and stimulating for our listeners and viewers today. So I hope you guys enjoy this. Before we start, if you guys need to reach out to us, you have any questions, comments, or concerns uh, regarding today's podcast or any of our uh, previous ones, you can always reach us at our website, which is www.pwgrocer.com backslash podcast. And uh, we are the Environmental Echo. So today's guest... Paul Pontieri, you know, um, he's currently the mayor of Patchogue, who's been there for nearly, oh gosh, two decades now? Yeah, we're going on Oh, jeez. And he's, he's overseen the revitalization of Patchogue's downtown from it being just about all the, but deserted to one of Long Island's top destinations. And, and I can attest to this because I live pretty close to the village. Uh, I'm in Bayport, you know, right on the border of um, Islip and Brookhaven, which is right there, so I, I do get to, to visit frequently, and I really do enjoy the village and what it's become. Uh, he's a lifelong resident of the village. Uh, he's worn many hats over the course of his career, and he, he's been an assistant principal at Bellport High School, uh, principal at BOCES. He's been a deputy town supervisor for economic development at Brookhaven. Uh, he's served on the board of Suffolk County Community College, and, um, and we could talk all day about the, the list that goes on and on. Um, his experience, coupled with his lifelong association with the village, uh, he gives him a unique perspective regarding the village's rebirth. He's witnessed the region's ebb and flow, and he's worked since 2004 to improve the village's economy and environment. So before we get into that, I also want to introduce our, our second guest and sort of my right-hand man on these podcasts as of late. It's Charlie Bartha. He's a senior vice president at PW Grocer, and he's heading up a lot of our business development efforts lately. Uh, he's been with the firm for, you know, boy, four years, <laughs> now. four years now. Time is flying by. Uh, but I do want to welcome Mayor Pontieri and thank him for joining us today. Mayor, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you. Excellent. So we're going to dive right into our topics. Um, and, and we've just touched on this briefly. It, you know, the, the, the village of Patchogue has become a premier example for how to reinvent downtown Long Island. I mean, I, I, we said it in the, in the intro here. It's been revitalized. It's the shops, the, the, the restaurants, uh, the music, you know, the live at five, the events that you guys put on, and, and, and the way it's what it's become from where, where it's been. It's, it's just astounding. Um, so when you became mayor, you know, what were the issues that were really facing your administration, and, and what was your vision or for the village? When I took it office, um, we were probably vacant by 50% in square footage, 21, 22% in storefronts. So the thing I clearly understood, and having been a lifelong resident, the thing that you, you do understand is downtown is about people, about people being downtown, is that businesses come where people are. You know, a business doesn't come because you say to Starbucks, come to Patrick, you'll help us pr prosper. Starbucks shows up, and they're just recently showing up when you, when you have prospered. So my whole goal was, is how do we put people back on Main Street? And the way you do it is by building a community around Main Street. When you think about Patchogue, Patchogue is this little urban center in the middle of a big suburban sprawl. And we needed to rebuild that urban center with people. And that's where Copper Beach came in, um, Art Space, because Art Space gave us the opportunity to rebrand uh, ourselves as arts and entertainment. So we kept looking at different ways of doing that, and then TriTech shows up. And so, and they 
build a hundred million dollar project. So it, it really, my sense was, is that we needed people. You put feet on the street and people show, and businesses show up. And we're in a, just in a, it, barbecues, which is across the street from the Brick House, and Brick House was, has been there since 96. They withstood all of the, the downturns. Eric Ripken from Barbecue, driving down past Village Hall, I'm walking down the steps, and he stops and goes, do you know anybody around here that can help me figure out if there's something worth building in Patchogue? And he, we started talking, he, had, he wanted to put a barbecue place in. And we found a place, and, he, and that was right in the middle of when Copper Beach was being built. So there was an investment, and he invested because somebody else invested. So th that's really the, the original sense. And we were an older community at the time, probably someone's between 42 and 45 years old as an average. Today, 18 years later, our average is 36 years old. Young families all over the place. You know, when I first came into office at Halloween, two bags of M&Ms and O's, then I hit every kid on the block. I'm sitting out on my front steps with my Groucho Marx glasses on, and it, 100, 150 kids come by. Oh, wow. So just a big change, <laughs> big change. Uh, that is phenomenal. And like I said, I can attest to that fact. I, I've, I've been in where I live for the last almost you know, over 20 years now, and, right. uh, and I have watched that revitalization happen, unfold. And you mentioned TriTech, which is a, a developer that we're very familiar with, and uh, they are a top-notch outfit. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, I don't want to say the village was blessed to have them, but, I mean, it was really uh, a win-win for both of you guys. Under your stewardship, you've found the right balance between uh, growth, uh, growth of the economy, population, and also the environment. Uh, people are very often concerned about that, um, and that's where the, the naysayers hop on early on. But you have been blessed by having a sewage treatment yeah. plant, and you've expanded it. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Well, you know, uh, the, the sewer plant is, is interesting, and I have a photo in, in my office is probably four foot by five foot you know, just, and it's a downtown Patchogue in 1907 and that's when the sewer, the sewer lines were first put in and then it was probably flush gravity flow into the bay and hopefully you know, we'll screen out the big stuff but <laughs> everything <laughs> else ends up where it ends up Yep. Um, so in a lot of ways Patrick has been ahead of the curve on a lot of that stuff. You know, 25 is when the first real plan came in. 52, they rebuilt it. 85, they rebuilt it. Then we rebuilt it. And I, I've always wanted, and I never asked Norman Electrica, who was the mayor that actually appointed me as a trustee in 86, why he went to 500,000 gallons on, the, on this plant, when at the time all you really needed was 200,000. They were under a consent order. They were doing about 140,000. The consent order said they had to go to 250. He went to 500,000. Made all the difference in the world because it allowed us to build Copper Beach art space. And now it's going to allow us to put in between 250 and 500 homes in South Patchogue to connect them because we hear about the brown tide. We yep. hear about nitrogen in the water. We hear about all of those things. We have the opportunity to take care of our little place in space, you know, and it's because of mayors before me who were smart enough to understand that for business to grow and for downtown to grow, you needed sewers. What we understand is for 
our community. And one of the things we do, we're in the middle of right now is we're trying to get the funding together to expand the plant by another 400,000 gallons to bring it to a million two. We don't need that in the village. We could use, I would probably put 150 to 200,000 aside for us. But part of my pitch to, to Schumer and Zeldin and, and those making these decisions is we will take that other 200,000 and let it go where it wants to go south needs maybe to, to your oh neighbor. Oh boy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. If they can't get a hookup into Sable, run the line to Sable. I don't care. You know, it's if it's economically good for the village, just in terms of pure dollars and key money and those other kind of funding things. But more importantly, it takes a sited plant and expands its use into those communities that need it. Oh, wow. I mean, it's, I, I didn't realize it was, you know, a, a look to expand that much into the future. You know, I've always said that I just want to be able to walk out the back door of Village Hall, back to look over my shoulder and say the community is a better place because I walked in the front door. As silly as that sounds, but part of that is making sure it's prepared for the future. You know, with the, the board is starting to transition now into a younger group of people. Um, Patrick McAfee, we just brought onto the board. He's 35 years old. We have a young lady, Hispanic young lady. She hasn't been appointed yet, so I won't mention the name, that, that we're going to bring on younger families and younger, you know, and, and a more diverse board. We have, to, we have to think about the community we're in and the community we want to be. Uh, no, I, I agree. And uh, every time I visit the uh, Patchogue, I, I can see how diverse the community is. And it's, it's, a, it's a great mix of people there. You know, young, old, and all different walks of life. I mean, it's amazing, and, and how they how they all interact and how they get along too. It's just, it, again, it's a, it's an example for the rest of Long Island. It really is. Well, you know, back in two thousand eight, and uh, you'll remember it. I know Charlie does. Yep. We had the, the murder of Marcelo. Yep. Tragic. Um, the death of one can control the direction of the community. I always used to wonder after it. When it started, you know, you'd walk down the street, and I would say to myself, oh, we don't have that many. It, did the, the Latino-Hispanic community not want to be seen, or did we not want to see them? Was I ignoring the fact that we're here? And, and were, were they making sure they weren't seen by others because out of fear of being accepted? And I think that that whole sense helped us move to a better place. You know, uh, like I said, the young lady that we're going to be bringing on to the board, that's going to be proposed to come on to the board. Um, she came to me in 2014-15 with a problem, very angry at me. I mean, she came in, you know, nails out, ready to do war. And we sat and we figured it out, what the problem was. And uh, then I put her on a community development agency. She's been on the zoning board. Now, but she's only 34 years old. But she's that next generation that's got to, yeah, got got to begin to carry the village forward. Help lead certainly. But just just an aside to her, it's during the pandemic. She got almost 750 Hispanic and Latino people vaccinated herself. That she signed them in, and she tr sort them out. So that's the kind of talent you want. Ones that are so community focused. That is couldn't agree with you more. Well said, Mayor. Yes. Um, Back to the environmental issues that the, the village faced, you know, uh, during the revitalization. I, I know there was some, might have been some hurdles related to some demolition of some old 
long-term, you know, long-standing places like the former lace mill, yeah. uh, parking garage, and certainly one that we all know, Sweezy's. Yep. How, how was that perceived? How did you work around that, or how did you work through that? Um, I don't think, well, a couple of things. Um, I wasn't here for when, when the, uh, the mill came down and that building went up. But if you take a look at it, it's brick. It's got all the yeah. elements of the old. When Tritech came in, we had a short story, and, and, and Charlie knows the gentleman I'm going to speak of, David Sloan, yeah. land use I attorney. Know yeah. You know, uh, miss him every day. Yeah. God rest his soul. I should say I knew David, yes. Yeah. Great guy. Just a great oh, yeah. guy. Character. It, it, so he brings Tritech in, and they're sitting at the table, and it, we're looking at a piece of property down in River Avenue, the Hess property, where we, mm-hmm. where we did the dredging. But there's some environmental issues down there, and they came in, and uh, we went through the thing, and, and Bob Coughlin said, I, I don't think we're going to be able to do this. And so we're walking out, and Sloan goes to me, Bawley, Bawley, come on, they got $30 million in their pocket. You can't let them go. <laughs> so we didn't let them go. <laughs> so Dave and myself, let's get Bobby and Jimmy in a car. Let's take a ride. So we take a ride around town, and we take a look at the Sweezy building that you talk of. And that corner, that's where it started, that they were going to buy that corner and just do something on that corner. But then they realized if I buy that corner and we do something, then you got to do something with this building. And then you got to do this. And then you got to do that. you got to move the, the Carnegie Library. They picked it up, 800,000 pounds, and moved it down the block and around the corner. And it sits in a place where it looks like it's been there forever. And it was totally rebuilt to what it was when I was five years old and I got my first library card. So it, it's, it was that kind of energy, you know, those kind of people, that, that David Sloan, who grew up in Patrick, and I've known, he's known me since I'm 10 years old. So we've known each other for a long time and a lot of trust. But it's, in getting through that, now, in that picture that I have, and it, it's looking up South Ocean Avenue at the Sweezy's building in 1907. And that's in my office, in my conference room right next door. There's another picture of, the, of a rendering of what is built now, the Tritech, from exactly the same place. Whenever anybody comes in and talks about the size of that building, I bring them in here and I go, one, two, three, four, five. The Sweezy's building in 1907 was five stories. And then, then the, the tower and something else burn off of it. But yeah. it was, and the windows, because I would give no matter who it is. I have a stack of books done by the village historian of pictures of the village over the years. And I would say to them, before you think you know who we are, and I give them the book, and I said that to the Coghlans, before you think you know who we are, take a look at this, this is who we are. So I think people look at the building now, when you look at it from that angle, it's brick, it's different, but the roof, they've separated out that section. It, there's enough of a sense of history in the building that people don't. Well, I, I think that's important. And Patchogue is a place that has a lot of uh, residents that have been there their whole life, such as yeah. yourself. And you have respect for the history, um, which includes respecting the environment, which uh, I think uh, Paul's going to talk about the river in a little bit. But yeah. also, if uh, talk about your office and photos, you, there's a photo of your father working uh, on grand- Route 112 grandfather. construction, your grandfather. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and you wouldn't recognize Route 112, but it's yeah. a great photo. Oh, yeah, it is, because my grandfather had a construction business, and uh, he poured the first concrete on 112, probably 1970, 1918. You know, the actual road itself, there was, there was a road there prior to that. But 
the actual construction. You, you dig down through the blacktop, you're gonna find just concrete. You know, you, the Sweezy Street Bridge, the Road Boulevard Bridge, the the one by flows on on uh, Middle Middle Road. So th there's a lot of history in the concrete. In fact, I have a picture. I have those pictures. I have a series of pictures of, of him in different places. But I get a call from the Emanuel uh, Lutheran Church that in front of their parsonage, they were taking out the sidewalk, and there was a brass plaque in the sidewalk that said, Latito and Romeo find concrete. My mother was a Romeo, and Latito was, was like a, another relative. Do I want the plaque? I said, absolutely. I, oh, figured, yeah. they were, I figured they were going to chip it out, but they saw cut it. So you could put your hands on it you know, and feel the history in it. I had it in the office for a while, and then I said to myself, you know, I'm going to take this thing home when I leave, or it's going to stay here, but it's going to lose its meaning, and it's going to end up in a dumpster someplace. Maybe two generations from now, my son might appreciate it, maybe his kid, uh, but somebody's just going to say, well, who is this, what is it? So I gave it to the Historical Society. Oh, wow. And Because uh, it'll stay there, and th they have it, the suit's there, and, and I got a picture with... Uncle Richard, my mother's brother, the last of the Romeos, and Tilly Latito, she's 106. Uncle Richard was 90 when this picture was taken. Wow. But it was a Latito and a Romeo with the plaque. You know, so it's just neat stuff. Just oh, man, some real history there. Yeah. goes way back. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. That was yeah. very interesting. Uh, we, we did talk a little bit, uh, actually quite a bit, about some of the sewering that's going on yes. in Patchogue. Yes. Um, uh, other areas of Suffolk County are, are also uh, in different various phases and stages of either design or going to construction. Um, where does the village stand right now? With, you, know, you talked about um, maybe 250 to 500 residences you know, right. to be tied into the, the current sewage treatment plant. Where are you guys with that project? We just got a, a approval, and, and out of this election, the good and the bad happens. Rob Calarco, he's presiding or was a presiding officer in most in this election, uh, managed to, to get us and get the state to release $22 million to us. And, th and that's, we have a series of sewer lines that were put in by different projects. You know, Bay Village, excuse me, uh, ran a sewer line down, but they ran it down Cedar Avenue, Laurel Street, Gilbert Street. Any place that we have a sewer line, we're going to be able to hook the homes in. And there are about 250 of them along these lines. And those lines go down as far as the Sandspit, you mm -hmm. know, where the Davis Park Ferry is. Yep. So, and Ocean Avenue. So we're going to be able to do that with that $22 million. We're in the process now of uh, doing the final engineering. So everything's ready. We just need, they need to put together the bid package. And I think hopefully we can get ourselves started by uh, late spring, early summer. Next year. Yeah. Oh, fabulous. And is, are these going to be gravity sewers? Are they going to be force mains, low-pressure sewers? Uh, low-pressure low with, with the pumps. In. So each house is going to have its own separate little right. um, pump. We had done that down at the end of River Avenue. There were 50 homes down there, and we had gotten to the, the county uh, about three-quarters of a million dollars towards that, and then we picked up another grant of a half million dollars. That was about a million, too, but we did 50, 52 homes. And not only that, but did... Um, permeable pavers, you know, in the streets to, because of use the flooding. Sure. Just, we just tore up the whole thing. It was a great project, but we did 52 homes. And the problem is, just just a background to why this whole thing has taken as long as it's taken is that we did that at about $12,000 a home to do the hookup, the pump and everything. The bids came back, in some cases, 
as much as $90,000 a home. And that just Whoa. put this, <laughs> put those skis on eight everything. Eight times the cost, roughly. Oh, it's crazy. Times. But now, it, but if they give us the money, mm-hmm. I'll do, if, if I can do 275 homes, we'll do 270. Leave the money to the village to handle. We'll make sure it gets handled properly. If you leave it, to, and it's nothing against the county or the state. It's just there's too many regulations. They, they regulate the hell out of you. And what about the the residents, the homeowners? Are they all, you know, rah, rah, let's get this done? Or Yeah. In fact, what you're getting now is you're getting a guy just calling and saying, I, want to, I, need, I need to replace my cesspool. What's happening? Um, yep. I, I want to replace my driveway. Are you, are you coming up my driveway? You know, mm. so that kind of stuff. Right. But uh, we're pretty close to making this happen. If you guys get started next year, that'd be yeah. terrific. I mean, Peter Scully and the county have just been wonderful with this. You know, There's been a big effort at the county level to, yeah. to, to push sewers, not just in Patchogue forward, but exactly. you know, more or less countywide where they can. So it's, right. it's, it's been, a, you know, as an environmental engineer, it's, it's what I like to see. Yeah. You know, that's what we're about, uh, a sustainable, resilient future, which leads me to the next topic, which I'm going off my menu a little bit, um, climate change, resiliency. Village of Patchogue is right on the Great South Bay. Yeah. What kind of issues do you guys have to contend with in terms of potential rising sea levels? Um, we talk about, uh, you know, 100-year, 200-year, 500-year storms coming in, hurricanes, uh, severity and frequency increasing. What's the village doing to, to work on uh, for resilience? Five years ago, six years ago, we got a uh, – I got called by a fairly wealthy donor in the village – to meet with her and she says to me pull the things that need to get done in the village so I said so we talked and this any other thing and I walked out thinking I, I mentioned that the only thing that really is taxpayer driven parks and recreation I said so I'm, I'm having lunch the next day and the phone rings and she calls me she says Paul I, I think you because I'm thinking if I can walk out of here with a half a million dollars you know I'm in pig heaven here you know <laughs> sure. and, and she says to me Paul I'm talking about five million dollars it's a $5 million donation to upgrade our parks. So we, what the thing we'd immediately do is we break out 2.5 of it and put that to the side and put 2.5 into current work and go for a state grant, and we get another 2.5. So now we're up to $5 million. And what we're looking to do is a living shoreline. You deal with the DEC, you deal with the Army Corps of Engineers, you deal with every agency that couldn't make a decision if their life depended upon it. Five years later, we're still waiting for the final permit. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's not yeah. uncommon. I've heard that um, concern yeah. expressed by other guests on our podcast as well as clients and, and people in the community. In our sense is with the living shoreline, when it, when it comes to you know, the climate change and the rising tides, is that the water can come up and, and drain out. Right now, it comes up and it sits. Uh-huh. You have four feet of water sitting in, it'll sit there. Um, you know, we're, we're bulkheaded. We're very fortunate through all the big storms. We have parks on, on the bay, so they absorb that initial thrust. So, yeah, we get water into neighborhoods, but if we can build this living shoreline in, in our parks, you know, we have the shorefront park, which is 36 acres, and... Uh, Fairly big, but that's how we're beginning to deal with it now. We're, we're handling things all through the you know, state code, building codes now about raising houses, and it's what one of the projects on the river ran into the problem of 
because it's it's a marina on the river. He's got to go up seven feet. So now you add seven feet to 45 feet, which is a limit. Now you have to 52 feet, and now you got the whole neighborhood shooting arrows at arms. you. Yep. Yeah, so I mean, yep. it creates another set of problems. And the other set of problems I, I look at, and I, and I don't know where the future takes it, is, yeah, it's really great that you raise all these homes. But you hit, hit my age, how many stairs do I want to climb to get, to get into my house? Yeah. Put, put an elevator downstairs. <laughs> you know, so it's something that, that, that's never talked about, but I kind of look at it. All these homes in South Patrick that are being raised seven feet, yeah, you know, it's a could be an issue over time. It does kind of limit when it comes time to sell them. You, yeah. You, uh, to the opportunity, yeah. yeah. But but then again, you guarantee yourself young families, I guess. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's certainly another way to turn over the neighborhood and revitalize in that, in that respect, too. Uh, Mayor, you, you touched on one thing briefly while we were talking on this topic, and that's the Patchog River. Right. Um, you know, it, it is sort of a, I want to say, a unique feature to Patchog. There are other villages and towns that have rivers but uh for you guys it, it really is a, a prominent feature within the village i mean i've, I've visited uh there's restaurants and there's marinas and even your sewage treatment plant is not too far from it goes, <laughs> it's right on the Batchong river that's where everything you know? goes i know i know so uh, you know what was the river front like when you were first elected mayor well it, it's the river front there were some restaurants that were starting to come in place some buildings starting but more importantly the river hadn't been dredged since 1969, I think it was, John. Yeah. And uh, so we started to figure out how do we cobble enough money together. It's a federal waterway. They didn't, they didn't care. They weren't going to dredge it. The county said it's a federal waterway. We're not going to dredge it. And so that, and the town said, well, it's in Patchogue. Why would we dredge it? So that left it to the, the smallest the entity village. out there. Yeah. <laughs> you got all these other entities that have all this money, and you got this one little guy down at the bottom. So we cobbled together and got agreements for about a million and a half dollars. I think that's what it came out for. Yeah. Or something. yeah. And uh, but part of it was is the county agreed to take the take the spoils, and uh, we ended up getting everybody to do something. Brookhaven jumped into it, and and Charlie was part of the engineering group that put together this this project at the time, and we we dredged it out. The mistake we made, Charlie, and I always think about it because, you know, we, we rectified it this, this past two years when we redid the, the, the jetty. The jetty, because it was starting to fill in again. Right. And so you had a choice. Do you fix the dredge it again, or do you fix the problem so you don't have to dredge it again? Right, right. And so what we did is I went to, at the time, Senator Croce and talked about it. And I said to him that back then, you know, he asked me, what are the things that you got to get done? And for me, that I was getting reports from, you know, the ferry companies and some of the larger guys with bigger boats that at certain tides there were problems. And so I said to Croce, I said, we need to take and rebuild this jetty. So he gives us $650,000 for a jetty and a lighthouse. And I said to him, I said, but we don't own it. The town of Brookhaven owns it. So you got to give the money to the town of Brookhaven. So... Coach, he says to me personally, he said, well, we thought about that. But if we figured if we gave it to you, you'd figure out how to get it done, if you, even if you had to give it to the So I went to the town, made a proposal to the town that they support it. They're going to have to bid it. They're going to have to manage it. 
got to fund it, but we'll we'll manage it. And we got it done, and it came out great, didn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you 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 talk about cobbling together money. You've cobbled together support for projects and yeah. build support in that way, and bringing a lot of different uh, stakeholders together to get something yeah. done. Um, so that's and, and some of the ones you never expect to sit in the same room together. Yeah, to get them to collaborate like that—that yeah. yeah. uh, is a feat unto itself. Yeah. <laughs> really, it really, you know, I'm pretty harmless, you know, <laughs> just in a sense. <laughs> I'll drink a beer with anybody, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed. <laughs> well, and, you know, again, another water feature within the village is, is Patchog Lake, you know. Yes. Um, and, and I know there's been some recent uh, infrastructure improvements that have been done along the southern border to enhance access and the aesthetics. Um, can you describe those? And, and what are you guys doing to you know, always keep be cognizant of the water quality in the lake and maybe even how to improve the water quality in the lake? Well, what we're doing right now is uh, you know, the, the county came in and, and they rebuilt the spur and down from four lanes to two lanes, took what was the, uh, the center median and put that on the lake itself so it's a grassed area. Yep. We're working with Bill Hillman right now, and they're going for DEC uh, permit for us to be able to, to clear, you know, the lake lakefront itself, so you can see, it. not to, not that any. He had a permit. The, the guys that put it in put it in for full restoration, dig out everything about a quarter million to a half million dollars worth of work. And I, and the county doesn't have that funding right now. And I said to him, I said, just get me a permit that allows us to take out the invasive species, you know or the dead trees and just clean it up so when you come around you can see it so um that's made a huge difference yeah and will make yeah. a huge difference when we complete the, the whole thing um the, the lake itself is problematic because it has a lot of growth in it you know and uh my hope is is canyon lake would, because the the county had dredged out canyon lake which feeds this which fe yeah. and that we get a better flow because of the dredging that they did up up there and the creation of a, a greater amount of flow, that some of that flow will clean up some of the things that are in that lake itself. We it, were, it, uh, we were uh, sorry to interrupt you, but we were the engineers on Canaan Lake. Oh, really? And For the county, yeah. One of the things we did was uh, we pushed some, because there's some contaminated material there. Right. Rather than try to go through the expense of getting rid of it, uh, we worked with the county. The county pushed it into uh, different... Uh, Areas which were then bulkheaded around. Oh, really? So increased, you know. Uh, oh, so you have a larger. Yeah, you have, you have better yeah. access. Yeah, and land yeah. yeah, and it was also a big invasive species removal project yeah. too. That was yeah. the basis of it. Right. Canaan was so clogged with milfoil and fanwort, those you know aquatic plants you see in fish tanks, people couldn't yeah. use it anymore. You couldn't fish, couldn't swim, couldn't kayak. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a problem. You could walk across it. Oh, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. you'd mow, it was like mowing a lawn, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you get there in July or August when that thing was warm, and uh, it was unbelievable. Yeah. And there used to be a, uh, a, a club. I actually used to swim in the oh, that's right. Canaan Lake. Yeah. And again, this was another project that former legislator Clark, or not former yet, he will be as of January. I think he had put together the... Yes, yeah. Yeah, Rob was yeah. instrumental in the Canaan Lake project, absolutely. Yeah. It... Uh, but I think that that I'm hoping helps, and we're also supposed to be putting. We we have a uh, we we got a grant to put aerators in, in that we're oh, in terrific. the process of oh, yeah. putting that out. Put the aerators in. We're hoping that that will will generate 
the oxygen and the energy needed overcome some of the issues that we have now that's exactly what i was asking about you know what are you guys doing to improve the quality within the lake and that will certainly help yeah that, that'll be a big help actually the, the, we, we, the funny funny part the sad part we, we've had we've had them for a couple of years but we just trying to get somebody to put those in it's tough finding some there's no company nobody knows how to do it <laughs> especially now too there's so yeah. much work for everybody yeah uh, you know it's a sm relatively small job yeah. Wow. So, Mayor, to wrap up, you know, I, I asked you, what was your vision for the village when you came into office, right? Well, what's your vision now going forward? What's the future look like for the village of Patchogue? Uh, well, I, uh, I think we have to stabilize where we're at. Um, you know, I, I, I look at the village and I look at where we were and where we've gotten to. I think you really have to then take a look at yourself and say, how do we maintain what we have over time? You know, you, you, you take a communities that, Port Jefferson, for example, they were the, the primary place people went to you know, 25 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, they, they're struggling somewhat now. Not a lot, but they have some issues that they deal with. And I kind of look at that and say, how, how do I not get in that situation myself? And how do I leave this village in a better place and part of it is believe it or not is, is reconstructing the village board with people that that have the sense to look at the problem to solve it not to look at the problem and blame somebody for it you know there's two ways to deal with problems you either in them to fix them or in them to blame somebody else for them and it's tougher to fix them and it's easier to blame somebody you know so um, so when I look at the village and I think of where we're at, I think we're in a, a good, pretty good place. You know, we have a couple of big projects still coming up. Um, across the street from the brewery, there's a proposal for an 80 or 90 apartments in that where Tavares Market is. With yep. That and uh, that whole thing is a, a car repair place and there used to be an old shy at one time. So they're starting to come in with stuff for that, and that would help energize that into town. Um, we're dealing with um, the possibility of the Burlington Building, which is empty right now, to becoming a um, medical surgical center. We're dealing with a, a hospital group that's looking to pick that up and purchase that, and are dealing with the, uh, the property owner who's down in, in Florida, but they're very cooperative. So I'm looking at those things that are left right now that we have some control at. And we're looking at that piece of property that a friend of ours own, you know, Charlie and I. Mm -hmm. And how do I get something there that's both good on the property but also takes care of the friend that I have? You know, somebody once said to me when I took this job, you're probably not going to have all the same friends you have today when you get out of here at the other end. <laughs> I'm, 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 try, I'm trying my hardest to uh, not let that happen. I think you're doing a good job, you're doing a great job. My, my last question, all right, and this is a personal thing. When I go to the village, I, I love visiting. I love visiting the, the, the shops, the restaurants. You said the, the, uh, the art, the, the entertainment, you know, and 
parking. Parking. Right? I knew you were going you there. Knew, yeah. <laughs> I, I kept I, waiting. I, it seems like there's plenty of parking, but every time I need to find a parking spot, <laughs> it's it's few and far between. And oftentimes I have a, a fairly long walk. Sometimes it's cold. Sometimes it's raining. And sometimes I do get lucky and I get mm-hmm. a spot right by where I want to go. But um, what's your what's your feelings on the, on the current parking uh, situation in the village? We're approving an IMA to work with the county. At the, I think at this next board meeting to take the court lot. We've always talked about the possibility of tier parking there. Yeah. Tier parking to put tier parking up and gain 100 spaces costs about seven million dollars because you just well, you guys in the engineering business. Yep. Cost of <laughs> bricks, you know. Concrete, uh, concrete, steel. and so we're dealing with them. It, but if you look at that lot, it's a tremendous amount of green. You know, talk about the environment. You save it in some places and you do something else in other places is to do a total redesign of the lot. And we can probably pick up another 70 spaces. And I'm also dealing with National Grid right now. They have, um, across from the YMCA, there's a, that big vacant area where, where the steel place is. And there's a fenced in area, if you look at it, they had done, that had been a, a gas plant back, you know, like the one that was in Bayshore and Sag yep, Harbor. Yep, yep, yep. And they did the cleanup there. So we've been trying to deal with them to get that property for employee parking and to be able to you know, light it, yeah. do what we need to do. And it, if you have 30 restaurants on Main Street, that means you probably have four to 500 employees parking at five o'clock and four o'clock mm-hmm. in the spaces that you want they will, at seven o'clock. They want the customers to come in and you know, enjoy the restaurant. How am I right. gonna get there? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And because when we, um, if you park on Main Street and you put five dollars in after six o'clock, you got the whole night. Yep. And there are bartenders park their car there. They put their, their first two dollars, and then at six o'clock they go and they put the five dollars in, and they park on Main Street. And you got, I, I got to get these people off of, out of those prime spaces. So what I'm looking at is that between rebuilding the lot behind the courthouse and getting another seventy or eighty spaces, sixty spaces out of that, whatever number. And if we can cut the deal, some deal where we don't get strangled by National Grid and use that piece of property, I can, I can get close to 300 cars off the, off, out of the lots. Huh. Wow. That, you know, that would be helpful. Yeah. <laughs> That would make an impact. Just a quick hi- history on two things and I'll, I'll end up. Um, parking. Back in 1964-65, uh, Bob Waldauer was the mayor, and he got the businesses together that all that parking is municipal parking it's municipal parking because he was able to get all of them to sell their properties to their, their to the building line to the village and build up that parking he was also part of the negotiations Suffolk County PDA came in in 1960 the outgoing mayor at that time was George Electric and Bob Wall that was coming in, that the 5th Precinct would always be in the village. So by the precinct always being in the village, the inspectors become like chief of the police, chief of police for the village of Patrick. They don't want things to happen in their backyard. So when I look back at the mayors, and I, I mentioned Norman Electric with the 500,000 gallons, these guys that... Vision. And vision. some sight, yeah. And they, you know, for... When, and you talk about sewers, and I'll end it out. 
when I became a trustee, uh, I was sworn in in 1986. The first vote I took was on sewers. That next week, the Main Street Press, the little newspaper at the time in the advance, had articles about itself and the sewer plant. The difference was sewer plant bonded $1.1 million. Paul Ponieri, that was in like 14, 18 print, 20, 20 font. <laughs> Mine was in like six. <laughs> the byline. But, but, yeah, the byline. Six font. Paul, Paul Ponieri appointed trustee. So I've taken second fiddle to sewers my whole life, and I'll take second, I'll take second fiddle to them right now. Well, it's an important topic to take second fiddle to, it really, <laughs> especially for the village and Suffolk County and the, and the whole Long Island region. But, Mayor, I do want to thank you today for coming in. Charlie, any closing thoughts or comments you want to contribute before we wrap up? Uh, I would just say that I'm familiar with the village since 1957, and I really appreciate uh, having Paul as a friend and what he's done for the village. I, I, I agree. It's, it's been an amazing transformation and re revitalization over the last two decades. It, it really has, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's continuing, and, and I look forward to what the future holds. Great. So with that, we are PWGC, the Environmental Echo. Uh, again, if you guys have comments, questions, suggestions, or just want to reach out to us, the best way to get a hold of us is through our website, which is www.pwgrocer.com backslash podcast again i am paul boyce president and ceo of pwgc and your host of the environmental echo uh, again i thank mayor pontieri for taking the time to join charlie and i today and i also thank our viewers and listeners for for your time um, to, to join us and listen in again environmental echo we're signing out thank you <laughs>